Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Give me one, Lance. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Tish with another one. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Dropped it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Outrunning is Brissett. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes. TJ. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. Oh, and the hammer from Matherin. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode here of Setting the Pace. And what did I tell you guys last night? Patience is a virtue. Fachi, the Indiana Pacers, finally off the books from Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon is dealt to the Boston Celtics for a plethora of players in a first-round pick. The players are Aaron Neesmith, Daniel Tice, Malik Fitz, Jawan Morgan, and Nick Stauskas. Fachi, quite a haul here for the Pacers. Obviously, the best player in this deal going to Boston, but what are your thoughts on it overall? Yeah, you know, when you say quite a haul, there's a couple of different types of hauls. So this isn't going to be, you know, another haul that we'll get into as there was another big trade in the NBA. But for this, look, I like the deal because a couple of days ago, I mean, we were all being like, man, you know what? Pacers might have to wait a while to deal Brogdon. This might be, you know, into the season. I, I, would you take a couple second-round picks in a player? No. KP goes out there, gets us another first-round pick for next year, a quality backup center in Daniel Tice, a former lottery pick in Aaron uh, Neesmith. And I think right over here, at this point, there's a couple guys, yeah, who knows if they stick around or not. I'm happy with this deal. I really mm-hmm. am because let's also talk about not just for this year. But moving forward, the Pacers are going to save about $34 million moving forward. And this year, the savings should be right in that ballpark of around $10 million, enabling them to offer a max contract. So I I like the deal, Alex. It's not a home run, but it's a solid deal. Yeah, so just real quick, I I want to give props to Tony East, who's been doing a great job giving all this information out on social media. He did say that because Jawan Morgan was not signed until April 9th, the deal cannot be official until July 9th. So that means we still have a week plus until this deal can be officially official. So that does put a little damper into the max cap space here. But at the same time, Tony has been saying this for the last couple of weeks on Locked on Pacers. If they just wanted to wave and stretch Goga Batadza, they could do that. So that would give them the cap space needed to just sign DeAndre Ayton outright. But, you know, there's been a lot of rumblings out here what the Pacers could do. Before we got on, Bob Kravitz was on with JMV 
Evan Sidery, who joined me last night, put this out on Twitter as well, if you guys are curious. But basically, Bob Kravitz feels that the DeAndre Ayton stuff is very real, and he thinks that it could happen. And he said the Pacers have wanted to rebuild for a very long time and that he anticipates Kevin Pritchard being here for the long haul to see this rebuild through. He said Rick Carlisle is 110% on board. Kelly Kroskoff said on the sideline guys a couple of days ago, same with Chad Buchanan on the radio, it's going to be a long rebuild. So I think with the way this move went, we got another pick, Fachi, and, and we're truly embracing a rebuild because this roster right now is currently constructed if no other moves are made. I don't see how they're, you know, any better than 13th in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, look, I never thought I'd be this excited about a, quote, long rebuild, but I like the fact that everyone's on board. For Brogdon, it, it's it's kind of sad how it went down, you know, a couple of years ago when Brogdon first, you know, came over the side and trade. It was a big deal, but injuries, everything that's played into it, uh, a shift from wanting to win now to a rebuild has changed things. And being able to get off the $67 million owed to Brogdon, enabling him to go to a team that he can help them compete now i think it's it's a win-win for both teams i saw a couple memes out there like oh like there was a spongebob's hand with like a (laughs) a thing of string in it like what the paper got back it's like yeah and it's like no 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 no, no. that's not what we got back what we got back is cap uh, cap flexibility and you know a first round pick and a quality backup center if nesmith works out at all that's great hey who knows 14th overall pick yeah, and Neesmith, the former lottery pick, I think he's a guy that can, you know, he was known for his three-point shooting. Carlisle likes that. I think that he's a guy that will probably stick around on the roster. Um, when I look at a guy like Jawan Morgan, Malik Fitz, Nick Stauskas, if you guys don't remember, Nick Stauskas was, was once a former Pacer when we traded him for him when he was on the Rockets. And basically, we just took three players back, I think, as we had the room and then waved them all right away. Yep. So, you know, with that being said, You've got Fitz, Morgan, and Staskus. I anticipate them just being cut from the roster. Agreed. I would, I would not anticipate them staying on the roster. I know there's going to be a lot of IU fans that want to see Jawan Morgan. I'm sorry. I, I just don't think it makes a lot of sense for what the Pacers are trying to do, especially if they bring any more free agents in or make any more trades. But Daniel Tice, this is an interesting one here, Fachi, because he's got three years left on his deal for $8 million per year. I think when he signed it last year with the Rockets, I was kind of like, that's a gross contract. That Why would they give him that? long of a of a contract for that much money so I think that there's a possibility Daniel Tice is still on the roster when the season starts and whatnot as that third string center maybe you let Batadze uh you know get the backup minutes I don't know but I think Tice is better obviously than Batadze right now so you got your veteran backup center who's been a part of a rebuild like he was in Houston but at the same time I think that they could look to flip him as well they very much could. A couple details on that contract. While it's technically three years, that third year is a team option. Okay, so, that's good to know. you know, I, I don't see the Pacers picking that up if he is to stick around, but who knows? Look, he, he's been, you know, he's been real solid in a couple different, you know, stops. Also, he has a 15% trade kicker, so he's going to earn about an extra million dollars uh, on the deal. But we talked about the depth behind Turner at center. It was It was gross. No one trusts Goga. I know you said he could be waived and stretched. I would like to imagine you can get a second round pick or something for him. Maybe you have to even attach a second round pick to him. But, you know, I'd like to do that instead of wave and stretch. But we'll see what happens with that. Either way, now, if the Pacers already even stay with this and have Turner as a center and Tice as the backup, that's much better than what we were walking into before. If DeAndre Aiden comes over here and Turner ends up going in a sign and trade deal, 
having Tice as the backup for Aiton is still real solid. So I like that. I'm not going to complain about that move over there. For Neesmith, which you talked about before, the three-point shooting, 37% as a rookie. Uh, he had 108 attempts that year, so it's not like it's this very small sample size. So maybe there is still something there. But one fun thing, just want to throw this out there. If the Pacers are to bring back Jalen Smith, they'll have had the 10th pick, the 12th, and the 14th pick in the 2020 NBA draft. So but that was pretty interesting in, in Tyrese, Jalen, and Neesmith. So who was who pick 13th, Fachi? Do you know? Not off the top of my head, but I can find that out uh, in about <laughs> a quick second. Yeah, well, I, I would just say this real quick while you're looking that up. It's it's interesting to see all the players that got in here. You don't ever see a five-for-one deal. But I think it's important that we bring up Jake Fisher did say that the Pacers were trying to get Grant Williams <laughs> involved in this trade but the Celtics were unwilling to get off of Grant Williams we heard the same kind of situation when they were trying to trade Karis of Earth they wanted like an Isaac Coro, somebody like that they were unwilling to yep. do it so that's why they got the picks that they got so I think getting that pick getting Neesmith you know it's a kind of similar package to what you got for Levert you know because I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be some protection on the Celtics pick it has not been reported what that is I'm assuming it's going to be lottery protected yeah That'd be my guess I can't believe it's you know unprotected no. but you never know but I, I still think lottery protected is pretty sure bet you're going to get that pick I think what Boston's doing from their standpoint didn't really lose any of their key rotational players bringing a guy like Brogdon who I think can be a really nice complimentary piece to that roster we know that he's really good friends with Jalen Brown as well as they were you know leading some of the uh parades and during uh uh during COVID and, and during um you know when they were trying to the, the rallies out there in Atlanta they were both leading that back in 2020. So I, I think there's a relationship there, but you got to remember, they're also bringing in Danilo Gallinari as another piece. So, I mean, mm-hmm. as expected, yep. Boston, man, they've got themselves a pretty solid core here, just kind of reloading without losing any major pieces. I love what they're doing. And I think, you know, for this standpoint, you just hope Cleveland can make the playoffs. Yeah, so a couple of things. One, Kira Lewis Jr. went 13th overall uh, okay. to the Pelicans Alabama, that year. Alabama native or yep, player. <laughs> exactly. And then also a couple of things over there for Boston, a team that came up just short. They looked a little bit gassed in the in the finals. You add Gallinari and Brogdon to this team, and you don't sacrifice any of your core. I, I think Boston is someone that people are, are heavily looking at to say, hey, why couldn't they come out of the East again? So, you know, that'll be that'll be interesting to see over there. But Overall, yeah, for Boston, they stay competitive. For the Pacers, this is such a, a favorable move towards the rebuild that I, I can't fault it at all. I would have loved Grant Williams if that was an opportunity, Grant and a first-round pick, but I understand the Celtics for, for holding firm. I know this time it wasn't Danny Ainge we were dealing with, you know, more Brad Stevens. But, you know, I, I think it's a win-win trade for both parties. So now we take a look at the Pacers having three first-round picks moving forward. When you said a lottery-protected pick for the Celtics, that's fine. We yeah. imagine this pick is probably going to be between 25 and 30. It's not the sexiest pick out there, but it is another asset that the Pacers can work with when an opportunity comes about. So I yeah. think this pick will materialize, while the Cavs pick, we still just don't know if it ever will. No, there's no doubt about it. And I want to read this real quick because Malcolm Brogdon has done an interview with The Athletic. He said, quote, the Pacers were really good at facilitating a deal and sending me somewhere I could win. I am very much appreciative of how the Pacers have handled everything. That is a great response from Brogdon to hear him say that because, look, we know he wanted to be in Indiana. He picked Mm -hmm. us when, you know, a lot of 
people wouldn't have. And and he he was a good player here. I think we should not ignore the fact that he was a good player when he played. It just felt like the writing was on the wall the moment they got Halliburton. And I've seen a lot of people like, oh, the Pacers completely, you know, screwed this up when, you know, with, with trading Brogdon and waiting too long. It's like, look, me and you went back and forth on this. When they extended him, I didn't think it was a bad, bad idea. I thought it made sense to guarantee him the money. It would be easier to trade him because the guaranteed money, in my opinion, you know, it's not going to get any higher. And so it wasn't like an overpay, in my opinion, for what Brogdon is when he's healthy. But at the same time, not being able to trade him during the trade deadline last year and then acquiring Halliburton, you pretty much put the handcuffs on yourself in terms of what you could do in terms of making a move because everybody knew you were trying to deal him at this point. So you, you, you factor that in, and then you draft Andrew Nimhart on top of it on draft night. If it wasn't already uh, a pretty significant sign, hey, we're getting rid of Brogdon, it was more so solidified there. And that's why I think you look at this deal, it's like, man, five mad players, five role players for a starter, but you get a pick. Sure, the Pacers lose here in terms of talent, but they also made the right move for what their direction is. And I think that the Celtics made the right move in going out and getting a player without giving up too much of their depth because that's where I'm at with everything. And I like how the Pacers are getting praised here from Brogdon, how they handled it. Because look, if they are to get another veteran on this roster via trade, like a like Daniel Tice or even Buddy Heald right now, if they were able to facilitate a trade where they can get them somewhere that's at least on a winning environment, then I think people would be more excited to come here because the openness and willingness to work with the players to find them a good landing spot. Yeah. Now, Brogdon could have said a whole bunch of things. I know, you know, he, he really did keep it a class act over there. And us as Pacer fans, you know, we definitely were very hard on Brogdon for the last year or two, but that just comes with just the frustration of wanting to win. That's it. That's all it is. We're just diehard fans of the team that wants to see what's the best situation for the team. And when you mentioned the writing on the wall, the writing on the wall was, it, it was large font. It was bolded, underlined, everything. So it, once, once Tyrese Halliburton came to the Pacers draft night, like you talked about now in the coffin right over there, there, there was no room to be able to be able to grow Nemhard while having Brogdon there. And then also being able to let Halliburton be himself, let him flourish, let him be able to make mistakes, let him take that last shot if we want him to. You know, whatever it is, it's just Brogdon, unfortunately, was starting to look at like more of a roadblock, and it shouldn't be the case. But, you know, when you touched on how he was productive in Indiana, he was. In three seasons, averaged 19 points per game, five rebounds, uh, 6.3 assists. He did it on just under 45% shooting and only 35% from three. I don't think the Pacers really got what they fully hoped out of Brogdon. Part of that is just due to the injuries, you know, in those three years actually missed 82 games which equates to one full season out of three so yeah. it's hard to really be happy with what the results were of the the team at that time you're talking about you know zero playoff wins unfortunately they, they missed the playoffs back-to-back -back seasons went through a couple different coaches that's not not to say that you could blame him by any means of that but we're entering a different time and at this point uh, this Pacers team continues to get younger so I, I like where we're going with this. Brogdon, I, I mentioned it before, felt like the oldest 29-year-old out there. I know it, it's hard to say when you're really still in your 20s, but, you know, the man was aging a bit quickly. And for now, I, I'm all on board for the youth movement. Bring it on. All right, Fachi. Well, now that the Pacers have made this move, what's next? What other moves do you see happening? I, I think we've been very 
um, in on the DeAndre Ayton stuff, but because oh, yeah. of this trade that happened between Minnesota and Utah, our good man, Adrian Bojanaraski, just tweeted out that the plan is now to rebuild and retool the roster around Donovan Mitchell in Utah. And now there's a lot of reports coming out saying that Utah is trying to acquire DeAndre Ayton in a sign and trade. Oh, no, I did not see that. <laughs> so, oh, my God. And, and Kevin O'Connor said there had been talks about a three team deal, but at the end of the day, DeAndre Ayton is still a restricted free agent. So he has control to a certain degree of where he wants to go. If he doesn't want to go to Utah, he doesn't have to facilitate a sign and trade with the Suns to make that happen. If he wants to go to Indiana, he can still just tell tell Phoenix, hey, this is where I want to go. I, I think I think for me personally, Fachi, it does make sense to want to play in Utah to a, you know, with with Donovan Mitchell if you're trying to be competitive right now. But at the same time, you know, it really just depends on what what player you think makes you the better player. And, and I feel like he wants to be that one A level player, right? That that superstar mm-hmm. kind of guy. Is he going to get that in Utah next to Donovan Mitchell? Or is Donovan Mitchell going to be that guy? I think mm-hmm. I think with Halliburton here, Halliburton's a willing enough passer to, you know, you can make the case that DeAndre Ayton would still feel like he's the number one scoring option here if he were to come here. So I'm just throwing that out there for you. Uh, some moving pieces now that we have officially found out that Gobert is going to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, look, I'm not here to, you know, bash Utah overall, but I just feel like when you look at this and the passion that there is, I know the Jazz fans are super passionate too, but you made a great point over there. I mean, if you can come over to Indiana right over here, yeah, we're entering a a rebuild, but the talent there, you just brought in Benick Matherin, you got Chris Duarte, you got Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, you got, you got cap space, you own all your picks at this point. I just feel like Man, for, for Utah, it just seems like if it's just him and Mitchell, it's never going to be Aiden's team, just like you mentioned. But I don't know. To me, me, I guess I'm just biased, but I feel like playing with Tyrese Halliburton, a pass-first point guard who's looking out for you before he looks out for himself, is going to help a player get the most out of himself. It really depends, you know, what they want to value in winning. But you could say, you know, you got Aiden and Mitchell. What else is there? You know, yeah. so at, at this point, I think the Pacers still have an opportunity to continue to, you know, bring in some, some other talent over here. What if they are to bring back a Jalen Smith? I mean, that would be awesome. But I, I just feel like Aiden to the Pacers has legs. I've sold myself. No receipt. I can't return it. I'm all in at this point. I want him coming to Indiana. And I know the Pace, Pacer fans on Twitter want it, too. I mean, this is something where we're all, I love nothing more than when Pacer Nation gravitates together towards something. And it feels like the majority of us are in on DeAndre Ayton and we want him now. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be fantastic if we get Ayton. Like, there's no doubt about it. I've been, you know, I've been cheering so loud for this to happen for how many months now, Fonchi? At least two. Quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I just, I really do believe in DeAndre Ayton. I mean, I'm sure people are here tired of hearing me talk about it, but. You know, I'm just monitoring the situation closely. It felt like Brooklyn was going to be the team to get him. And then we thought, okay, maybe they maybe they won't be the team because there's been reporting that that's not enough of a deal for the Nets to trade Kevin Durant. Now you're hearing the Jazz have interest in him. So I'm not sure exactly what his market is, Fachi, for DeAndre Ayton, but I do think that the Pacers having the cap space to sign him outright could make things very interesting here because that is not something that Brooklyn or 
Utah has in their back pocket. They would have to do and, and facilitate a sign and trade where Indiana does not. So I think that is the benefit here for the Pacers. But at the same time, even if they don't go after Aiton, there, there's still a possibility they could trade Turner. I, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but with the way this rebuild seems to be going, it would not surprise me. And I'm keeping my eyes closely on the Toronto Raptors after all the moves they've made. Just going after some some wings, it feels like they've got guys to replace guys. I mean, the fact that they went out and got um, Otto Porter Jr., they got Thad Young. Obviously, they drafted Scotty Barnes last year. They got Pascal Siakam, Chris Boucher resigned, Precious Achille. We talked about this a little bit last night. That door could be closing a little bit for OG and Anobi in the Toronto Raptors, and they need a center badly. And I think now that Gobert is out of the picture, if they don't get eaten, Turner could be a nice fit. Turner could, and I don't know what what necessarily the trade package would be for OG. However, you know, if it's Turner and a first, we got first on deck this time. So at this point, I don't know which, which pick it would be more appealing to a team. I mean, you tell me, would you rather have the Cleveland pick where there's a better chance that it actually isn't a first-round pick? But if it is, then maybe it's a top-20 pick. Or would you rather the Celtics pick, which you know you're getting this year, but it's going to be a later first round pick in that 25 or 30 range? Yeah, I think I'd rather have the Celtics pick. (laughs) I think it's a guarantee. So it's like, hey, could you imagine if we got off Brogdon to then be able to make a move like this, where then you, you do flip Turner in that Celtics pick for a guy like OG, and then you could sign you know, you could sign a, you know, whatever it is that you want to do if they have to go with the sign and trade route. The crazy thing is a couple of years ago, sign and trades were so much more rare. Now it just feels like these teams are just like, hey, you want to just work together and help each other out a bit? Like, and they work something out. But back then, I feel like it was not as common or, or be like, hey, for Brogdon, a sign and trade, hey, just give us a first round pick. Instead of having to do like a guy like Turner and a first for Aiden or whatever it is that you might have to do if you didn't absolutely have to do it financially yeah player movement has just taken over the league flash and you know i talked about it yesterday i'm not trying to be the old man screaming but you know i just i don't love it as much as a lot of people do i like seeing now guys stay with their teams and trying to win i mean obviously it felt like utah needed to change something and well, they absolutely did you know and i understand that there's times when that happens but like they were like were they ever to the western conference finals in the past yeah. five ten years i i can't remember but you know, you look at it, it seemed like Brooklyn, like they were only together for two two seasons, basically, and really only one because of all the injuries that Durant and Kyrie had together, then James Harden and everything. Like they didn't even give it a real shot. And and they, they go and they go there, spend all this money, waste all these picks. And then as soon as Kevin Durant, you know, he's got a four-year deal and he's walking away after Ben Simmons signs a rookie extension, max contract extension, and doesn't report to training camp, request a trade with four to five years left on his deal, to me, there's got to be something done about this. I has I, to. I feel like it's, number one, the players have to be in an environment that's good for them. I get that. I'm not pro player. I'm not against pro player. Excuse me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm for pro player to a degree, but I'm also, I'm not even thinking about the governors or, or the front office. I'm thinking about the fans, man. This is when it comes down to it because let's just say you're a fan of the Indiana Pacers and they have Tyrese Halliburton, year two of his career, and you're expecting him to be here for the next 10 years. Well, after five years, he just gets mad because, you know, they've had two playoff exits where he thought they should have been better and requests a trade after just signing an extension for five years. Like, 
how how are you trying to sell that to your fan base like okay <laughs> you know we've got these guys here long term invest in our team invest in these players it's it's hard to fully invest yourself into a team and into players when they're constantly leaving whenever things don't go their way i mean uh you know the whole entire james harden situation i mean he left two franchises in less than a year so you know i give credit to guys oh, yeah. like steph curry i give credit to guys so far like Giannis antetokounmpo dame lillard hasn't left portland he's been faithful to that organization we're hoping and, and praying right that luka Doncic is faithful to dallas and you know joel Embiid with philly those kind of players that are franchise changing players obviously Jokic signing a big deal with the nuggets and booker same with the suns it feels like the newer players are more willing to stay where they're at but it feels like that generational where it was lebron kevin durant westbrook hard in that group Kyrie. They're all about let's move, let's move, let's move, let's get out of here, let's go to the next thing. And I, I don't know what has triggered that, but once that cycle of those players from that era kind of die off, I think we might get more back to the we'll, – we'll still have player movement, but it won't be as crazy as it is right now because, you know, Durant leaving OKC for Golden State and then going to the Nets, you know, Kawhi going to Toronto, going to the Clippers, Paul George going to Thunder the Clippers, like that era – I think it's going to slowly fade away as we see these contracts become more important to these guys and being with the franchises. Yeah. I mean, they definitely have made the contracts. That fifth year is extremely incentivized for you to stay with your team. However, look at a guy like Bradley Beal. I just moved from DC and everybody knew Beal would have been an idiot to just leave and not sign the deal first, then ask for a trade because he would have been leaving over $50 million on the table for just that fifth year alone. So I, I just don't know if we're ever going to get back to anywhere close to, you know, where we used to be because the players have so much authority. Now they could just one day just do what Kevin Durant said and said, I don't want to be here anymore. Trade me. And all of a sudden the Brooklyn Nets might be heading towards a rebuild or they're trying to patch it up. They're trying to, you know, slap some Band-Aids on it. And, you know, then all of a sudden we're just hearing, no, 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 Kyrie doesn't want to just go anywhere. He wants to go to L.A. All right, so you're going to have to make it work. It's like, what? Whatever mm. happened? It's like, if you don't have a no-trade clause, I'm sorry, but that's just not how things work. But, yeah, you know, you mentioned how it is with, you know, Simmons and, and doing that and Durant. But some of those other guys, I think towards the end, if they have not won yet, it, it, it kind of forces their hand to say, I got to get out of here now and I, I got to win. But when you're, you're looking at guys like Giannis who won, I mean, hey, luckily he took that chance and, and, and stayed over there, but they did win. And then in some Steph Curry, hey, Curry, Clay, Draymond, they've won. So at that point, yeah, they are happy. But then there's that other group that, you know, for Dame Lillard, how long will he remain loyal if he can't win in Portland? That's yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm just saying, I just like, I like seeing the majority of key players staying with their team and of then course, rebuilding around those key players instead of, oh, well, key players happy in X city. So let's get three of those type of players and put them all together in a big city and hope it all works out. And, and very rarely does. So, mm. you know, we've seen that over history, like it works sometimes. Don't get me wrong. It's worked, but it's also not worked quite a bit too. So um, just want to throw this out at you before we wrap things up with what, Minnesota had to pay to get Rudy Gobert. So we're talking Ooh. four first round picks. And was it four first round picks or three? Four first round picks and Walker Kessler. Okay. So and, they, you know, what was it Malik Beasley and Patrick Beverly? Maybe yeah. even like a, a you know, uh, some loose change or two. Yeah. Yeah. Players. 
Yeah, so you're talking four first-round picks and a first-round pick from this year for Rudy Gobert. I understand it's an overpay, and it probably is for Gobert, in my opinion, but I agree. What does that mean for Kevin Durant? The Brooklyn Nets have all the leverage now in terms of what they're asking because the fact that this is what Minnesota had to give up for Rudy Gobert, just imagine what other teams are going to have to give up for Kevin Durant. Now, that's a great point because this was a mega haul. Because it's funny because, you know, earlier, like, hey, the Pacers got a haul for Brogdon. And we're like, eh, different kind of haul. This is the other kind of haul. The four first-round picks and a recent first-round pick, you know, from just a week or two ago, you know, and some other players over there. So it's just like, you're, you're totally right. A trade for, for Durant, they talked about it. They said this could be the biggest trade package ever. And I don't know how many picks could really be involved because we've seen when the Lakers dealt for Anthony Davis and it was a boatload of picks. We saw James Harden and then, and then, and uh, you know, when the Rockets and Nets made a deal for Harden, a boatload of picks were involved, but something different is about this for this is Kevin Durant with four years on his contract. I mean, this, this could be a lot. I don't know who's going to pony up, but someone is about to mortgage the whole future and if they win even one title, you can't say it wasn't worth it. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess not. Even if it's a bubble title, right, Fachi? <laughs> hey, even if it's a bubble title, because that's what the Lakers got for AD. And chances are that might be the end of it but for them. But uh, we'll, we'll see in due time. Absolutely. So I think one more thing we do need to hit on before we get out of here. Indiana Pacer guard Ruk, uh, Ricky Rubio is no longer oh. with the team. That's true. Signed a three-year deal, I believe it was, with the Cleveland yep. Cavaliers for $18 million roughly. So, mm-hmm. you know, we uh, what did I say about $6 million for him when I was talking about what I'd offer for a contract? Yeah. I, I got lucky on that guess there, Fachi, but I, I do think that it makes a lot of sense to go back to Cleveland. Won't be able to play until January, so they know that they got that in their back pocket. I'm fine with it because Rubio was doing a really good job over there, and I'm hoping that he can kind of be the ship or be the be the steer that kind of helps sell that ship a little bit if they get out of hand and, and start losing some there in the middle of the season like they did last year because we need them to make the playoffs so we can get that pick. We really do. We really do. And he was such a good influence over there to the point where it's like, hey, get that, that, that's cool for Rubio. I mean, it's cool that he was able to go back over there. The, the rare scenario where it worked out basically trading – it, us trading Karis Levert for Rubio, and then they just get him back after he had torn his ACL. So, hey, perfect move for Cleveland. I think they're going to be very happy with that. Should benefit us, just like you said. And overall, I mean, it, it's uh, it's an exciting time in the NBA, but I feel like, yes, it's just day two. I know you're trying to tell me to be patient, but when are the rest of the dominoes going to fall? Where are the rest of the chips going to land? Like, I want to know right now because, man, there's still some guys out there, and, you know, it, I'm, I'm really intrigued. The Pacers got to make a move at some point. Have you heard anything more about Jalen Smith? I haven't. Yeah, it's been pretty Nothing. quiet. It's been super quiet, which is fine because it feels Part's like the good only, in this in this situation, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of dominoes to fall. I mean, we're seeing them fall right now with what everything's just happened in terms of trades. Like, when you get massive trades like this happening – it only causes more chatter amongst the league because what's happening now, people realize Minnesota just became a pretty serious threat with the guys they got. They also have Kyle Anderson, who they picked up last night mm-hmm. in free agency. So they've got themselves a pretty solid six to seven players here. D'Angelo Russell could still be on the move. I don't know what they'd get for him. But with that being said, you've got a decent roster there. 
I think Gobert is going to really help Carl Anthony Towns in the backside there defensively because he needed it. Letting Towns play more of that four, I think that's what he is best suited at. Mm-hmm. And, Agreed. you know, as much as you'd like Towns to be able to play some five, it's just not his game. So he doesn't like that physicality. Um, and I think just being able to rely on Gobert behind him is going to help. And I also think the the Jazz's offense was so bizarre. I I, I felt like they didn't give Gobert the ball ever. And so with how, you know, this entire Minnesota team is going to run their offense. Anthony Edwards is going to thrive in a pick and roll situation with Gobert. You got Towns on that roster as well. So I I do feel like this is a very good young core with a nice veteran center. They're going to be causing some havoc, wreaking havoc in the Western Conference, potentially getting home court advantage. It would not surprise me. I think what they've done, I think what with what Denver did today, getting Bruce Brown and also uh, the moves they've made, I think they're going to be doing a very good job of getting into that top four once again. Uh, you know, obviously Golden State losing some players. I just think the Western Conference, you know, it's starting to feel a little bit top-heavy to me, Pachi. It is. And I feel like the Eastern Conference is incredibly balanced right now with all the moves that we're seeing. So um, if you're looking at last year's playoff teams, like Zach Levine signed today, uh, I just really don't envision, like, the Pacers getting into that top ten. I just can't see it, Pachi. I don't know how. I don't know how, but I'm I'm happy that um, they're not trying to at this point. Like, I, I don't want to hear, like, hey – all we're all on board for that play. And it's like, no, just please. No, like it's, there's more to it. And I know some fans are torn on that. Others are completely on board, but I want to see the youth movement be able to, you know, just fail, be able to get back up and try again and not have anyone be yanked. Remember years ago, if Aaron holiday made a mistake, Nate McMillan was taking him out. We didn't know if we'd see him for games. Days could go by, weeks. It was like, oh, my God, let the kid back out there. So at this point, it's like I want to see this team just be able to just build something together. Even if it's ugly, I feel like we can find beauty. Beauty in the eye of the holder, you know. And that's what I'm seeing right now in this team, that it's like let them them just work it out together because this year is just going to be setting us up for something special in the long run with the amount of picks, cap space preserved, potential to bring in a guy like DeAndre Ayton. I mean, that that type, those type of moves right over there raise the ceiling of this team big time and get us off that treadmill of mediocrity that we had been on for too long. So I think the best is yet ahead. There's going to be a splash coming. And I think the Pacers have officially dipped that first toe in. Okay, Fashi, I like the bull prediction. Um, all I got to say is Brad Stevens is doing – what uh, Danny Ainge couldn't do with the Celtics, and that's building a championship contender. Agreed. Uh, I think that Brad Stevens is doing a much better job <laughs> in just a short amount of time than Danny Ainge is. But we'll see. Danny Ainge just fleeced Minnesota for five picks, basically. So um, that's what he did when he was with Boston. And I think Brian Windhorst, the memes have been amazing today. Thank you for that epic television segment on first take. That Who needs Steven? Epic. Who needs Stephen A. Smith when he got Brian Windhorst? I think Brian Windhorst deserves his own TV show after that performance today. Quite the uh, quite the good laugh. And, uh, you know, Brian Windhorst, I think this guy is plugged in about as good as anybody. I know that he's got some really good stuff to share. You know, I was laughing at him talking about the, uh, you know, actuality versus uh, 
feasibility in terms of, you know, trading Duran and, and Kyrie to the Lakers. <laughs> that segment was so funny as well, because he's like, it's feasible, but it's not likely. He's like, I would just throw it out there because it's feasible. And I'm like, okay, bro. Oh my God, everybody ran with it at first. Oh, he said Laker fans, as soon as they hear anything, they just run with it. So I mean, obviously you do that because you know, it's going to get you a bunch of views and clicks. So with that being said, Blanche, overall, this is a good move to wrap it up for the Pacers getting off Brogdon, embracing the rebuild, and, and securing more than likely having another top seven lottery pick would be my guess based on how the roster's shaking out. So I um, hope we get some great you know, growth from um, within from these players. But overall, the Pacers embracing this rebuild, I'm here for it. I'm ready for it. And I hope everybody's ready to buckle up because it's going to be a long ride of losses this season. Oh, yeah. Buckle up. Get that seatbelt nice and ready and just just sit back because it ain't going to be a pretty one. But I'm telling you, it's what's best for us in the long run. And Alex, I'm going to wrap it up by basically saying, look at Minnesota right now. They officially just went all in. They don't do that if they don't end up getting a special talent like Anthony Edwards, number one overall. That man changed everything. I know they already had cat on the team but it was adding edwards that made them say whoa i think we got something over here and when the timing was right hey they made a move so i think for the pacers we're starting to lay foundational pieces there it started with tyrese halberton then we add benedict matherin we'll see who's next but the pieces the cornerstones are coming together and whoo it's going to be exciting exactly Vachi. you know what's even more exciting Scott Agnes just posted a video of the Pacers shooting after summer league practice. Benedict Mather and Tevin Brown, Isaiah Jackson, and Andrew Nimherd. It looks great to see Benedict Mather in a Pacers practice jersey getting some shots up here. He's actually in a t-shirt here in this video, but his shot looks pretty. The form looks good. I'm not sure if the shots are going in or not because Scott's not showing that on the video, but it's just great to see that. And Isaiah Jackson shooting threes as well. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what this young court can become. But Fachi, with that being said, let the people know where they can find us on social media. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, Alex. tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, new new episode out last night. Fachi's one-on-one interview with the one and only Scott Drew of Baylor. I think that was a great conversation. Scott Drew, it was a pleasure to hear from him and hear him talk about not only Kendall Brown, but Jeremy Sohan and how Tyrese Halliburton had an impact on Davion Mitchell when he was with the Kings and how he was a problem to go against in the Big 12. So with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited, the Pacers finally moved off Malcolm Brogdon and are heading for a full-on rebuild. Say these three words. Let's go, Pacers!